Welcome to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships from True Story FM. Today, what do you do when you're worried your toaster is going to go broke? Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Seth Nelson, and I'm here as always with my good friend Pete Wright. Today on the show, we're talking on one of the big divorce questions. It comes right along with, where am I going to live? What am I going to do with my life? It's the question of money. Nicole Noonan is the founder and CEO of New Chapter Capital, and her specialty is divorce finance. That's right. Today, we're going to help you answer the question, how will I fund my divorce? Now, personally, I think the question should be, how am I going to pay for these goddamn lawyers? But Nicole, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not just the lawyers. It's it's the other experts um, as well as living expenses. I mean, yeah. right now it's hard to get into court as it always is. And to get those uh, interim living expenses is not always so easy. Wait a minute. Okay, that's a really good question. Right, jump I gotta, in, that's, <laughs> that's huge. Yeah, that's huge for me because, you know, in the time we've been doing this podcast, I talked to friends and family, you know, in the Zoom dinner party circuit. <laughs> and uh, those who are uh, in and around the divorce process, their first thing is, oh, divorce is too expensive. Like, people who who cannot who are still living together and are still married but not married because they cannot afford their own divorce. So now you're talking about something that is I, I think hits home for a lot of people. It's not just the attorneys and there is so much uncertainty about what else that means like we know that there are a lot of of things you have to consider not just attorneys but putting food on the table over the course of however long this thing is going to draw out what are we what do we need to think about yeah no absolutely you know most of the time clients uh, divorcing they have one main asset it's usually the house and the idea of moving out and splitting that up is, is a scary one. How are they going to afford to buy a new home or to rent uh, until the divorce is final and while the house is pending sale? So what we do is we make an advance for those clients for their first and foremost legal fees because we want to make sure that the job is done and they're able to, to get through to the divorce uh, and expert costs, but also for those living expenses. So and it doesn't have to be just housing. It could also be um, whether it's tuition for school, if you know one spouse is not willing to pay for private schooling, but the other one wants it, um, we've done that. It's it's for a lot of people a safeguard that they wouldn't have access to otherwise. If they don't have friends or family to go to and can't take out a credit card, what do you do? So let's frame this a little bit, Pete, because I'm so excited to have this conversation. I kind of jumped right in. Um, I know you got all eager. I, I, you went all Tommy boy on me. <laughs> so here's the problem from my viewpoint that I think Nicole is fixing, right? Usually in a divorce, you're going to have one of the following scenarios. One person is controlling the funds and it's not a quick, fast, easy solution to get into court to get the judge to require that person to open up the checkbook in any meaningful way. And we can unpack that, but is that the general topic of one potential issue that you deal with, Nicole? Absolutely. Every day. And I saw it in my own practice where 
a person wouldn't be able to get on with their lives because the other spouse wasn't coming forward and making that interim relief possible for them. Um, So absolutely, that's definitely one scenario. And another potential scenario, and Nicole, feel free to disagree with me. Pete does it all the time. I'm used to it. We're good. Another one is neither party necessarily has the funds to support the other or even themselves if they move out of the house. Because when you have two incomes in one house and nothing else changes, except now there's two incomes in two houses, standard of living must drop, assuming you haven't been saving. So maybe their big asset is the house that ultimately they agree has to be sold. And we're all in agreement on that. But in the meantime, how do we get from where we are now to setting up separate lives and being able to pay the bills and try to maintain a standard of living that is similar, maybe not everything, but similar to what we had and especially making sure that our kids have what, 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 they, what we perceive they need or just the standard that they've typically grown accustomed to. Is that a second scenario? Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head there. We are, our clients are asset rich and cash poor. We've actually funded clients where major real estate holding, um, one big house that's been featured in lots of magazines, but it's all tied up in that, that house. Uh, so we actually funded both sides. So while the sale of the house was pending and they're showing it around and whatnot, they were able to go off and, and live their, their, new best lives separately and not have to be tied to that house. Just to be clear, when we talk about your clients, that's different than talking about my clients. I want to clear that up because you, uh, you the, can you talk just briefly about the relationship uh, about, Nicole, how your business works and the relationship you have with attorneys? I am an attorney. I used to, to practice. I used to do what you guys do. It's, it's a tough, tough game. But I, when we work with a client, we make sure that they have representation first and foremost because the application must be completed by the law firm, not necessarily a partner or an associate. It can be finished by a paralegal, uh, but it must come from, from the firm itself. And what we, our relationship with the attorneys and the firm is we need updates, uh, what's going on in the case quarterly. You know, is, has someone settled? Has someone switched attorneys? God forbid something terrible happened. We just, we need to know. Um, in terms of that, but nothing like the little mundane everyday motion practice. We don't, we don't really care about that, but it's, it's really has to do more with the, the big settlement offers. Um, but it really, once the client comes to us, the client is your client and our client. But in a different capacity, we don't actually represent them in court. And the, and so you don't you don't work at all with the attorneys. That's the thing I want to make clear. So if people are listening, they're just like, oh, maybe I could do this. I should ask my attorney for a recommendation, or maybe they'll go hook me up. They come to you directly. The 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 client comes to you directly. No, it can come through the attorney. It can come through their forensic accountant. Uh, they do have to be represented by counsel in order to apply. So here's what I think is happening. Let's give examples, Pete. Yeah, yeah. I'm their lawyer. I'm representing the wife in this case. And she says, Seth, I think you're a great lawyer. I want to retain you. I, I, we are house poor. All of our money is tied up in this house. I don't have any money to pay for your retainer fee. I don't have any money 
to support myself unless my husband pays. I don't think he's going to. I don't have an IRA or a 401k that I can borrow against. That's in my name alone. Everything we have is either joint and he can stop it or it's all in his name. And I know you're telling me that at the end, I'm going to get half of everything, but now I have nothing. How do I pay for you? And then I get to say, well, there's two ways. I'm going to keep doing my work and I'm going to get to a temporary relief hearing. That's going to be three to six months down the road. And I hope that the judge is going to rule in our favor and have him start opening up the checkbook. And in that, I'm going to ask for temporary attorney's fees and for back attorney's fees for what we've done to get there. And that's another way to open up the checkbook. There's a second way, and they're not mutually exclusive. We can do both. But a second way is, I know Nicole Noonan, who will give you a loan. And there's certain requirements that Nicole will have about that loan, how much, how often, financing. It's my understanding that Nicole does not require you to make monthly payments until you get some sort of settlement, but you have to check with Nicole. And she, you're going to have to give her permission for me, because everything we talk about is attorney-client privilege, me to give her updates on the status of your case. Not the daily, what Nicole will call motion practice, like they didn't give us the documents. I have to file a motion for contempt or a motion to report. Not that. Like, hey, are there any settlement offers? Are there any updates on financials? Has there been any big changes in anyone's job status or attorney status? Big things in your case that might change Nicole's view on the quality of this loan. But let's talk to Nicole and ask her, how do we do, Nicole? <laughs> not bad. Not bad at all. Absolutely. You know, in your first scenario... As a lawyer, we often carried the case, um, sometimes to settlement because we couldn't get that judge to ask to get that checkbook open for the other side to pay us. And so it's not great business for attorneys. Um, in you know your second scenario, certainly while you could still do the first and make the motion to, for the um, for counsel fees, you can always do it at the end as well. But uh, correct, we certainly, yeah, we certainly see that every day where we'll make in advance uh, for your client. So the client can uh, be referred by you. The client can come to us. If she has any questions, we certainly have brochures. We have people at my office that can answer any specific questions that she has. Um, We then send the application to the firm. And we try to make it as simple as possible because we know it's a really stressful time for the clients. And we try to simplify this portion of it um, as much as we can. Okay. Um, that, that makes a lot more sense. And so when you're working with a client, Nicole, do you, are, are you in any way giving them guidance or, you know, counsel, financial counseling along the way? You just, that's not your business. So no, we do not do financial planning uh, for our clients. Certainly we're happy to give referrals for people. We're also sometimes uh, a client's first phone call if they're looking for attorneys. I've been doing this a a long time. So we do know the best of the best of attorneys and we give them a list of people, but we do not give legal advice. So when they come to us, they're coming for funding for their cost of their litigation. That's it. They're looking okay. for a loan. They're looking, looking for a loan. Looking for funding. Yes. How does your business divorce capital differ from, you know, going to a bank and asking for the process? Is a bank likely to help support people too? Is there competition there? 
let's be very clear. We mean going to a bank asking for a loan, not carrying any like armed guns right. or anything, right, Pete? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, no mask. Yes. You're an attorney. Well, I know, man. but your get up today, little dark. I don't know what you're doing after the show. <laughs> Just had me worried. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, like, going for a traditional loan, like, what's the difference if I'm thinking? about looking for support? Not always easy to refinance during a divorce. Banks don't usually like to see that on an application form. Also, if you're the moneyed spouse, do you really want to sign off to uh, refinance the house so your non-moneyed spouse can get funding for the divorce so they could fight you? Probably not. So it's not always that easy to go in and get money from a bank unless you do do something maybe illegal. So we're not going to talk about that. So I'm telling you, you guys, <laughs> attorneys are the yeah. worst. I'm trying to have an above board conversation yeah. here. You're always above taking board it. Okay. When you're packing, so what goes- like I get you. <laughs> yeah. No problem, Pete. Okay. So here's the thing though, to really think about, about yeah. going to a bank. And I'm going to take this a step, just one more step that people don't think about because we're talking about financing is sometimes in a settlement, one party, it doesn't matter which one, is going to get the house. But both parties are on the note in the mortgage. So the party who's no longer going to be living in the house or owning the house wants their name off that note in mortgage. Okay? And I hate to sound like a lawyer, Pete. I apologize, but I want to be clear about this. The note, generally speaking, is the document you sign with the bank that says they'll lend you money and that you owe them money. The mortgage is how Mm -hmm. it gets paid back. That's why you foreclose on a mortgage, okay? So you'll have both those documents. So your spouse, who no longer is going to be your spouse, and who's no longer going to be owner of the property, is certainly not going to want to have a piece of property that they do not own, but they still owe money to the bank and they still have the mortgage, okay? So when you're going for lending for that, the bank might want to see six months of alimony payments you receive or six months of your income before they'll allow you to refinance on your income alone. Like none of the stuff with these banks are fast and loose and and get it done quick. And they all, it sounds like, have just, just sort of templated set of expectations that do not take divorce into consideration. And those are the people, correct me if I'm wrong, Nicole, are behind the curtain and they're called the underwriters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they are scary. You just made them sound so it's scary. Like, it could be yeah, undertakers, like, you know, I mean. <laughs> it could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> Cue the... Cue the dirge music. So, okay. So, Nicole, what do you, how do you look at somebody coming to you? I assume you, you aren't just throwing money at people. How do you, what, what things do you take into consideration when you're, you know, going into a relationship with somebody? I have to say, we do have our own underwriting team. Um, so, I knew but it. We, yep. <sighs> and they work, they, they work, work in, in a cave, cave and it's lit exactly, by candelabra. Exactly. And they all wear like monks' hoods. They, yeah. Yep, they chant. Great. All notes are signed in, blood, in the of blood of the yes. blood of foul. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We um. Well, first and foremost, <laughs> we 
I hope they don't <laughs> ever listen to this show. Don't send this not to allowed. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, uh, the first and foremost is the application that we have um, final done by the, the firm. Uh, we do a, a credit check, but we get it. A lot of our clients do not have great credit history, whether they just haven't built it up on their own or they were always the secondary signee of a credit card and they depended on their, their spouses. I don't want to say husbands, but spouses. We then do our underwriting, usually within three business days. So the other benefit of using funding is the it's expedited. It's not, you know, bank could take months and months and months to make a decision you know, unlike a credit card, you don't have to make any monthly payments. So funding is really a, a, a very good option uh, for certain for certain clients. So we, um, like I said, fund for legal fees, expert costs, and and for for the living expenses. So it's uh, so when you're looking at, at at whether to fund or not, here's what I'm imagining is that I have a client that comes in, needs the funding, and I said, okay, we have to do in Florida. Check your local jurisdiction, as mm-hmm. we always say, Pete a financial affidavit, which is a mm-hmm. sworn statement that says, here's my income. Here's what taxes get taken out. Here's my net income. Here are all my expenses. And this is the part that you're going to want to really know about. I think Nicole, here are my assets and debts. And once you start getting that information, that is where you're really going to make your decision. And it's very, it's fairly easy for you to verify those assets and debts because if there's a house, check the public records, you get the deed, you get the note, you get the mortgage, you know how much equity is in the house. If you have a retirement account, you want to look at the statement. But it's fairly quick if you're doing this in three to four days that you're not asking for a mountain of documents. I've been doing it a long time. So, you know, we kind of know what's, what passes a smell test and, and what doesn't. Uh, but in terms of clients themselves, we do get calls all the time from people that have no assets, that want to divide furniture or worse, their pets. Um, and we don't fund those cases unless I can end up with a very cute little Maltese dog or something at the end. We're not funding those, those type of cases, but there has there has to be an asset there. Um, and yes, we do verify. Um, but a lot of times we'll get calls from attorneys or forensic accountants saying, hey, I have this client can I run this by you? And then we'll again, do a little smell test and I'll say, well, you know, I've seen this scenario before something similar and our underwriters have approved it or I'll say, don't bother. Um, and I'm pretty frank with people when it comes to that. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about risk and not risk on your part, but risk on somebody taking a loan from you. Let's say they, you fund their living expenses and projected attorney's fees. And it's all based on what you thought the way the case was going to settle, right? And it doesn't. Maybe it ends up not settling the way you thought it would. They end up on the hook, I imagine, for potentially more than they took were able to take out. What, what happens in that case? That's bad underwriting. Um, that's when you know, I go down to the tunnels and, and find the underwriters and say, how did you let this slip through the cracks? But um, no, we, yeah. we don't fund 100% of what the client would be entitled to. That's your risk calculation. That's our risk calculation. And, Which you know, ultimately, like said, though, ultimately protects the client. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm asking. How is the client protected here? Because if they need $100,000, and I'm making these numbers up, and Nicole's saying, we're willing to fund you 20 grand 
because we think that's what you need to get from point A to point B and let's see where we go from there, then that client is only running a 20% risk that they're going to be holding the ball, not 100% risk if things don't work out. And you don't want to put a divorce E in that position when they get through it all. Now they have this other whole mountain of debt. That's exactly, exactly it. I'll, I'll say this too. What we're doing, we're funding, it's a non-recourse cash advance against their settlement. Well, those just sound like just made up words. <laughs> it does sound like made up words. So it does, but it's not. It's, yeah. so, <laughs> it's, okay. We're going to need right. to break this. So down. <laughs> basically, if she ends up with nothing, we end up with nothing. And that's, that's bad underwriting. And that's how um, other funding companies that tried to do this had lost their shirts because they didn't have the proper underwriters um, reviewing their, their clients. So, uh, so when, when I say non-recourse cash advance, it's an advance against their potential settlement. And if they end up with nothing and we approved it, then we take nothing. But our, our underwriters are pretty good. So, so one, does the lawyer matter? Comes down to our underwriters. We do check the lawyer. We do not want someone who's fresh out of law school practicing criminal law for six months, decided to change and now took on a family law case and wants a million dollar funding line. Not going to happen. Certainly we have attorneys that we've worked with for over a decade and those are our our good lists. Um, And then we're happy to work with new attorneys as well. We're always welcoming in that, but we do review. Um, Certainly if someone's been uh, suspended or something. We we don't really love to to work with those right. those attorneys. And does the money then have fair enough? You know, the bar says you <laughs> right? can't practice. I mean, just uh, saying, right? gently. We don't love to work <laughs> right. with them. Um, diplomatic. <laughs> so, does the money flow through the lawyer's trust account, or does it go directly to the uh, what would be you know the the person you're lending the money to? The the money goes through the firm. Oh well, that's smart. Well, as a lawyer, that's you know smart. I'm loving that. Right. <laughs> Yeah, right. No, I, I, this is, I mean, I'm putting, I, we've got our, our first kid is going into her second year of college. And this is, I mean, it's just your, this is financial aid. More or less. Yeah. Goes to the college, college first. Right. 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 Not straight to the, the kiddo. Right. You're not giving a 19 year old a bunch of money to say, oh, don't forget to pay your yeah, tuition. Piece. Exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> also, they can't hold sharp objects. And they're, I mean, you know, the list is long right. and not so distinguished. Right. Don't right. run with scissors. Yeah, right. Yeah. We know. Yeah, of course. Uh, I, my question is about the pandemic, because we started talking about that with things that have changed over the last 18 months. And I'm wondering if your lending profile has had to change and adapt accordingly. If people are coming to you and saying, hey, I need help, and my living expenses are now need to be increased by 50% or 75% because we can't get a court date, does that play into both your funding decisions and to Seth, uh, your you know, calculation of what you're asking for in a settlement. Uh, I don't know who wants to go first. It's a jump ball. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. We've we've seen this. Um, certainly, an increase in calls. Uh, some people were, you know, have to turn away because they did sadly lose so much during the pandemic. We're not able to accept some of the clients, but we do anticipate. We know that these cases are going to take. If it was one X, it's now two X, maybe three X to get into court right now. Uh, certainly, Florida, New York, New Jersey, at like states, it's it was backed up before. 
it's not helping um, with the pandemic and getting court dates. So it is something we factor in. And that leads me to my question was, um, do you lend in all 50 states? Uh, we are across the country. Um, certainly, we've uh, funded in most states, East Coast, West Coast, and a number of places in um, Midwest. We get calls all the time to fund in Canada. Unfortunately, we're not able to be up there just yet, but we are across the country. Seth, you didn't answer that question. Does the, has the pandemic changed your settlement calculus? No, not, not from a legal perspective. In all cases, whether it's pandemic or other external forces on my clients, there's always external pressures to settle a case. Mm -hmm. I just want to be done. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I want my life back. I'm tired of going through this process. Sure. Uh, So there's always those external. Um, In other areas of law where you can't get into court. We've been very fortunate in Hillsborough County. The court system has remained open. We've switched stuff to Zoom. I've done full Zoom trials, so uh, which is a unique skill in and of itself. Uh, there, but other areas of law where you need a jury, such as slip and fall cases, what I'm hearing, and I don't have any statistics on this, is a lot of the insurance companies are not settling cases because they know it's going to be a long time before you get into court in front of a jury. Mm. So a lot of the personal injury lawyers that you see those ads for, they might be getting cases coming in, but they're not settling because there's no pressure to settle if there's no deadline. And there's no deadline if you can't get into court. And the judicial system, I would argue rightfully so, is handling the criminal cases first that need a jury trial and have been waiting as opposed to a civil matter where it's a dispute ultimately over money, not over someone's constitutional rights or liberty. Fascinating. That's uh, Thank you for that. So uh, who else, uh, do, again, setting expectations, who else is involved? Is a, fi- a forensic accountant always involved in the process um, on your side, Nicole? Or No, not necessarily. Um, we do get people that are able to fund their own litigation. They're able to pay their own personal living expenses, but they need some experts and forensic accountants are expensive. And sometimes it makes a difference that they find there's a hidden asset or, or a business evaluation that the, the spouse is saying, well, this business is worth nothing. And it turns out it's a multi-million dollar um, company. That so, never uh, happens. Never, never. <laughs> Every business, you know, divorce I've been in, they just open up their books. Yes, come yes. Come on in, <laughs> do an audit, you know. Yes, yes. Especially a cash business. It's so, so honest about it all the time, 100%. So for, for our clients, it does make a difference. Pete, you haven't gotten to the best. You have not gotten to the best part. In fact, I will tell you, I'm a, I'm a little disappointed. In you, what? In me? Yeah, in you. How do you, how do you judge me when you know I keep the best for last? Oh, fair point. Seth. Fair point. I, I stand and corrected. I am here to build drama and narrative over the course of a long and dignified arc, and that leads us to the most important question of the day: How did you end up? with the moniker fairy godmother <laughs> of divorce. 
I, I, yes, it is an honor that I try to live up to every day. Uh, it was bestowed upon me <laughs> by the New York Post uh, a number of years ago, and it's stuck. And, <laughs> and my, it just rolls off the tongue, too, like very godmother of divorce, you know? Every family event, every high school, college reunions, I walk in, they no longer call me Nicole Noonan. They call me the fairy godmother of divorce. So I just have to find yourself like entering rooms in a high falsetto. Nicole is here. Right. That's what I want to see. Absolutely. But it's so so much better to bring it back to me as I always do, Pete, than short Jewish bald lawyer. (laughs) I mean, we're a dime a dozen. I was just going to ask. (laughs) <laughs> we're a dime a dozen in fact i'm so proud if you google short jewish bald lawyer i come up first i love it <laughs> and, and and you know nicole gets fairy godmother of divorce like, it's so nice it is fantastic although i have to say to to be completely fair seth you're joking and i know this because i just googled short jewish bald lawyer and the image results are fantastic <laughs> i've never done it you <laughs> i'm now afraid <laughs> you should be <laughs> uh yes all right well hey this is uh this is fantastic nicole uh, help us uh, point people in the right direction if they want to learn more about your work where should they go sure visit our website www dot new chapter capital dot com and that's n-e-w-c-h-a-p-t-e-r-c-a-p-i-t-a-l dot com or give us a call 212-404-7807 and i <laughs> love the name too dead. i love the name new i know like thank you it's awesome it's and really thank it's what you. people thank you guys doing, so much so. No, it's, it, it is. It's a real pleasure having you here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and experience with us and our audience, Nicole. We sure appreciate it. Uh, as always, on behalf of short Jewish bald lawyer, <laughs> Seth Nelson, and the fairy godmother of <laughs> divorce, Nicole Noonan, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships. Seth Nelson is an attorney with Nelson Coster Family Law and Mediation with offices in Tampa, Florida. While we may be discussing family law topics, how to split a toaster is not intended to, nor is it providing legal advice. Every situation is different. If you have specific questions regarding your situation, please seek your own legal counsel with an attorney licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. Pete Wright is not an attorney or employee of Nelson Coster. Seth Nelson is licensed to practice law in Florida.